and go to the book of Acts, chapter 15, if you're visiting with us. And you can take that black Bible in the chair in front of you and go towards the bat and find page 105. Page 105, you'll find Acts 15. We're going to do these 35 verses. I think it, it was most essential to keep it together because of the nature of the message. As you're turning there to Acts 15, again, page 105 in that Black Bible, um, thanks for praying for us that we went to the conference, Trials and Tribulation, and the Goodness of God. We did that Friday and Saturday. Um, uh, Carolyn and Jane, they drove down, and then Travis and Karen and Tyler, they came down, and then myself, so the six of us, we were all together. Good conference. It was a good conference. Some good preaching. Got to speak with the rock star, Heath Lambert. So... Um, appreciated his messages. And I think they're going to be available online too. So if you go to BCTC of, of AZ, uh, Google that, you can actually find all the messages. Eventually they'll be online. Acts 15. We'll start reading verse 1 through 35. And some men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem, to the apostles and the elders, concerning this issue. Therefore being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia, Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders and they reported all that God had done among them. Well, certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He also did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. And all the multitude kept silent and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Verse 13. And after they'd stopped speaking, James answered, saying, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After these things I will return, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen. 
I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, in order that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my, ma by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, it is my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them, that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generations has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. 22. And it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them the apostles and the brethren, or elders, to the brethren in Antioch, and Syria, and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles. Greetings. Since we heard that some of our number, to whom we give no instruction, have disturbed you with words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we have sent... Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessities, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. Verse 30. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. And after they'd spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. Up to verse 35. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also. The word of the Lord. Fingerprint readers are now essential. That was the title of the article. It begins, What once seemed like a gimmick is now the key to mobile innovation. It's been a long time since you could point to a single item on a spec sheet and say that it distinguishes the latest smartphones from their predecessors. But fingerprint readers are today's exception to that rule. They draw a clear line of hardware distinction between the phones of the past and those we'll be using in the future. So the fingerprint readers, you put your phone uh, it reads your fingerprint. You have that as a part of your phone now. You can actually buy that as now part of your phone. Listen to this towards the end of the article. For most of this year, fingerprint readers have been a nice extra to have. That situation is rapidly changing. As Android 6.0 proliferates and new phones come on the market, uses and implementations of fingerprint ID are going to quickly ramp up in both number and diversity. It's for this reason that your next phone should, perhaps must, include a fingerprint reader it is going to now be most essential to have on your phone. For security reasons, I guess, um, people, they, they have their life on their phone. 
and do purchases on their phone. That's going to be essential, I guess. I think there's probably other things essential, like food. I mean, call me stupid, but, you know. Water. Wearing clothes, that's probably essential, too. Or some of us more so. We're talking about truth, though. What is really essential? When we're talking, really, about life. And even, let's specify that, life in a local church. What is essential? What is most essential? What makes or breaks us as a church? Really? What makes us really into a true local church? And what breaks us? I mean, you could be a church. I mean, there are churches. Mormon, Jehovah's Witnesses, blah, 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 Roman Catholic, different churches. But what makes a true church? And what makes what they do essential? What is the essential ingredient to a church? Acts, just do it. Be who you are. Let God use us to fulfill His mission. As we step into Acts 15, we see keeping the gospel, that's essential. But be sensitive to the non-essentials. Keep the gospel essential. The non-essentials, be sensitive to. But we must keep the gospel central. This is the thing that makes us or breaks us as a church. Keep the gospel essential. But be sensitive to the non-essentials. Let me give you a statement. In order for us to fulfill God's mission, we must get the good news right and make sure it is most essential. Everything else is non-essential in comparison to the truth of the gospel. Everything else. Baptism, non-essential. The Lord's Supper, non-essential. The fact that you watch TV, that's non-essential. You watch sports, non-essential. You watch movies, non-essential. You eat chocolate. It's not essential. Suzanne and I were going to go in the cry room and cry. <laughs> Homeschooling, non-essential. How you dress, non-essential. Music, the type of music you listen to, non-essential. Tattoos, non-essential. Your political party, non-essential. Those things are non-essential when you put it in comparison to the gospel. The truth of this gospel stands, that is most essential. Everything else is debated. Now, the gospel may, can, could, should affect those areas of our lives, the areas I just mentioned. 
But it's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that makes us right before an absolutely just and righteous God. There is nothing I can do to gain the acceptance of God Almighty. There's nothing, that's why we sang that song. There's nothing that my hands can do. Having said that, when we do get the gospel right and keep it essential, we will be sensitive to our brethren in regards to those non-essentials, wanting to serve them in love when it comes to music or dress or homeschooling or chocolate, you know, or things like that. We're able to let the liberties go. The whole church here in our text specifically with the apostles and the elders. With the whole church. They address a question at what we'll call the Jerusalem Conference. I hesitate calling it a council because people think of the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Chalcedon. You know, think of those councils and, and there was believers there and non-believers there. And, and they, they think that they just kind of kick these things together and they compare that to Jerusalem. It's not like that. This is signed and sealed. This is it right here in Acts 15. If it was not for Acts 15, we would, as, as, a, as a mostly Gentile church, we would not be here. And here's, here's the question. The question that was asked, how are Gentiles supposed to be involved in God's new community? Are they totally equal to Jews? How will law-observing Jewish believers and law-ignoring Gentile believers be united in one church? One local church. Should Gentiles just ignore God's covenant law? Now some Jews are like, oh, faith in Jesus? Oh, that's fine and dandy, but Gentiles must observe the law. Certain standards, you, criteria you got to meet now. Well, you're black, so you can't be a part of the church. Well, you believe in that thing, so you can't. You have tattoos, so you can't. That's what we do. But salvation comes only through faith alone, by grace alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That is the essence of the gospel. That, that's the distinguishing mark of Christianity. So in other words, the answer to the question, Gentiles are fully a part of God's kingdom through faith alone, by grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone. In other words, you don't got to become a Jew. That's a good thing. So I'm going to split this up into two different parts. Keeping the gospel essential be sensitive to non-essentials. And then what happens is the church, along with the elders and the apostles, they send a letter kind of saying the whole thing. Keep the gospel essential. Let's be sensitive to the non-essentials. Okay? So that's kind of the three parts. Keep the gospel essential, sensitive to non-essentials, then we kind of look at it holistically, a summary of the whole thing. Okay? And then a couple other things after that.
So let's begin here. Keep the gospel essential. The first point that we see is faith plus works equals salvation true? Is faith plus works equals salvation true? Yeah, you're already answering the question. No, it's not. But that's the, the question that comes on hand, that's, which follows through how the Gentiles part of God's new community. Is it faith plus works? Is that what it is? Because some men, verse 1, it uh, came down from Judea because it's Judea, Jerusalem's on a mountain, so that's why I say it comes down. They taught the brethren, unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And it's just not circum just circumcision, because you know, it's, it's like, well, how do females come into play on this? Because that's why verse 5 it says, to observe the law of Moses. We'll look at it in a second. So who are these guys? I don't know. They came from Judea. Were they sent kind of by James? Were they maybe connected with James? I don't know if they're actually sent by James. but mm. Whoever they were, they zealously proclaim law-keeping for salvation. They said, if there is no covenant faithfulness to the law of Moses, one simply was not saved. Faith plus works. That's what they're saying. Verse 2, literally it says, there was no small tension between Paul and Barnabas and these guys. It's no small debate. It was huge lack of agreement between these guys and Paul and Barnabas. And so the church determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them go up to Jerusalem, to the apostles and elders, the whole church Nail this down once and for all. Get a decision from the apostles, from the, the apostles themselves who walked with Jesus. The elders that were overseeing, shepherding the church, and the whole church, all of them together. Let's nail this down once and for all. That's what they did. Go to verse 4. Arrived at Jerusalem. They were welcomed. Apostles, elders, whole church, they welcome them. Oh, they're so great to see them, but notice in verse 5. So one's the sect of the Pharisees who believed, they said, Gentiles need to be circumcised as well as observe the law of Moses. Interesting, the wording that's used here. Guess what word Luke uses here in verse 5 when it says they must do it. The word Luke uses is day. D-E-I, delta, epsilon, yoda. They must be circumcised. They must observe the law of Moses. That is essential. So should Gentiles observe these practices for salvation? Is the law the requirements for Gentile inclusion into the body of Christ? God's new community. Is it circumcision plus faith equals salvation? Is that true? Friends, you will find that every cult, every religion that comes out of Christianity, like Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists, Roman Catholic Church, they will always say you must trust Jesus. They will say that. But the difference is, repent and trust Jesus alone. Your merits mean nothing to God. Nothing. Nothing to God. You cannot get acceptance 
I mean, the song that we sing, if you would count everything that I've done wrong, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you, God. Have mercy on me. Remember I told you about a friend of mine who's a Mormon. And I said to him, you can never gain the acceptance of an absolutely holy, almighty God. He stopped and he squinched. He looked at me and said, wait, what? That throws people off. Because humans can never gain the acceptance of an absolutely holy, righteous, just, awesome, magnificent God. There's nothing that my hands can do to save my guilty soul. I cannot cleanse my filthy stains or make my spirit whole. For nothing but the blood of Christ can all my sins erase. I dare not claim my righteousness, my good deeds, my good works, the good things I do. Well, I'm a good person. Who cares? Because you're not. You have to be perfect. And you're not. I dare not claim my righteousness I hide within His grace. Tis Christ who saved me from the depths. God's pardon I've received. I'm washed within His precious blood. My heart is sprinkled clean. That's the gospel. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you cannot get the acceptance of an absolutely holy God because God's love is conditional. You will never meet those conditions and He must judge you and condemn you. You know what? He must judge and condemn everybody. But you know what? He shows grace and compassion. He's like this. His arms are wide open. He says, repent and trust in Jesus Christ. I sent Him to live on your behalf. I sent Him to die as a substitute for sinners. I brought Him back to life for anyone who repents and puts their trust in my eternal Son. If you need to talk to me, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about what the gospel means. Respond to Jesus today. Christian, Christian, do you have the confidence that you're loved because of Jesus? Do you have the confidence that I am loved because of Jesus? And all these things that are coming into my life, God's bringing it because He loves me. Because He cares for me. I am in union with His Son. And He loves me. That's the only way He'll love you. What's a great truth? Keeping this gospel essential. Back to our text, verse 6 and 7. <clears throat> When, 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 when these certain ones from the Pharisees said this, the apostles and the elders came together to look into this matter. Yeah, I bet. There was a big debate. And keep in mind, the whole church was present. So there's, maybe there's a few hundred people around. And this decision would affect the church in Antioch, would affect the newly planted churches that Paul and Barnabas did, would affect 
future churches into the 21st, into the 25th, into the 30th century. Oh my goodness, we into the 30th century? That'd be crazy. Into the 30th century and beyond. Should the Lord tarry? So, the question, faith plus work, salvation true? No! Gentiles heard and believed the Lord Jesus. Verse 3, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. They're bringing great joy to all the brethren. I mean, does it not bring you joy when people respond to the gospel? You're like, yeah! I mean, yeah! And then verse 7, um, Peter stood up and said, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you. What's the choice? That by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So he's talking about his experience with Cornelius, which by the way is the third time it's made mention in the book of Acts. Hmm, I guess that's kind of important. So the fact that Gentiles were responding to the message of the gospel, it shows it's only through faith alone. And then what happens here is you get testimony. Actually, four testimonies. Let's see. One, two, three, four. Four testimonies. Where God himself testifies to the fact that it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. God's testimony, his first testimony that, that's, that this is true, the Holy Spirit. God gives them the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. God who knows the heart bore witness to them giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He also did to us. So God testified to the fact that Gentiles were truly were part of His new community by giving them the gift of the Holy Spirit. The response to Jesus was genuine. God accepted them. And the testimony to, to the fact that Gentiles and believing Jews were one is they got the Holy Spirit. So God gave them the Holy Spirit without circumcision, without observing the law. God's testimony number two. A cleansed heart. Verse 9. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. He cleansed their hearts too. Just like He did with Jews. Notice God initiated, God acted, God testifying, God directed. So if there's anyone to blame, go blame God. God equally receives Jews or Gentiles. Anyone who believes it's faith in Jesus Christ alone. So God's first testimony, Holy Spirit, it's only by faith. God's second testimony. A cleansed heart. That's only by faith alone. And then notice what Peter does here. As he's the first one to speak. Faith plus works? That's not salvation. That's a burden. Verse 10. Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? If God was the one who did this, why do you want to test Him? Why do you want to mess with God? In the Spirit, cleanse their hearts. Why do you want to provoke God? This provoking God to anger 
That's going to invite a judgment. I mean, look at what he says. You want to place upon the neck of the disciples. Notice how he's already calling them Jesus' disciples. This yoke, or this burden, and he says, burden, we couldn't even bear. Even, uh, oh, sorry, we couldn't even bear this ourselves. We couldn't even do this ourselves. You want to put that burden on them? You want to put that yoke on them? The old way is unbearable. Look, you, you, you're challenging God in His ways. That's what Peter's saying. Get what I'm saying, though. It's not that the law is evil, wicked, bad. The law is good. It's righteous. It's just. But the law fosters inability. You cannot meet the demands of the law. It points to you says, you're a sinner. So there's, you're, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. That's what it does. It does this. It says, you're horrible. You're a failure. That doesn't mean the standard is evil. The standard is just saying, you're a failure. You do not meet this standard. You have broken it. But praise God for Jesus Christ who met all those standards, who met all those conditions, who perfectly followed the law on behalf of sinners. So, and that righteousness is credited to you. And your evil is credited to Jesus. And then he was crucified for that. And for anyone who repents and put their trust in Jesus, you're free. You're free. That's the essence of the gospel. Which brings us to this point. The true teaching, it's only by grace through faith. This is what Peter says. Verse 11. But we believe that we're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way as they also are. Isn't it interesting how Peter says it like this too? He didn't say, they are saved the same, they are saved the same way we are. He doesn't say it like that. He says, we are saved the same way they are. By the grace of the Lord Jesus through faith alone. Look, people don't have to become like you to be saved. People don't have to become like you to be saved. That's where these non-essentials come in. Oh, you know, you got those piercings. Oh, you know, you do this. Oh, you know, tattoo. Oh, you like chocolate. Why do you keep bringing that up? That's what we do. We put the standards on there. You don't meet any of the standards. Jesus met all the standards, all the conditions. Now, it's only by grace through faith. Notice how Peter emphasized the quality, equality of Jews and Gentiles in Jesus Christ alone. Both experience God's blessing in Christ. The Jews who keep the law, it's a secondary issue. So here Peter speaks, says this. Peter is no longer in the book of Acts at this point. He's gone. I already gave you two testimonies. Two of these by Peter. There's a third testimony. Signs and wonders. Because now everybody got quiet, of course. I mean, well, that's Peter talking. We better shut up now. 
and they're listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. They listen, third testimony, signs and wonders, they listen to them recount how God did work among the Gentiles by signs and wonders, another indicator that Gentiles were included. You have the Holy Spirit, cleanse heart, signs and wonders. Here's a fourth testimony. Scripture. Scripture, that's the fourth testimony. It's only by faith. So here you have Peter, he's speaking, right? And then it gets everybody to kind of quiet down. And then Barnabas and Paul, they're speaking. Well, then they stop. And then James, the pillar, a pillar and leader in the Jerusalem church, one who represents Jewish Christians, spoke in support of Simeon, he uses his Jewish name, related how God first concerned himself, verse 14, about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. Put the brakes on. Whoa. Time out. A people for his name. You know where he's getting this from, right? Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Where the Lord says, You, Israel, you are a people for my name to display my glory. Well, now James is saying, Now God has created a new people for himself, those from all nations. Gentiles are God's people in the full sense that Israel is, without having to become Jews. God had a promise that He was going to do no new work is being fulfilled. Or I'll put it a different way. In other words, God's people are now this new thing. The new thing is called the church where Jews and Gentiles are now one in Christ. They're one in Christ Jesus through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. So notice what James does. In 15, and with this the words of the prophets agree, agree to Gentile inclusion. And he only quotes Amos chapter 9, verse 11 to 12. He only quotes one, but it's what the prophets as a whole spoke about. And under the Spirit's direction, James gives the right understanding of Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12, which is what he quotes from. After these things I will return, I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen, I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, verse 17, in order that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. That is, all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. So scripture is attesting, agrees with what's taking place. It's the testimony, another, a fourth testimony. Well, what does this passage mean? This quote from Amos. God promised David's line would be restored and all the peoples will seek that rebuilt kingdom from that line. So God restores David's line, rebuilding his dynasty so that the rest of mankind will seek the Lord. And Gentiles will be called by God's name. See, this rebuilding of David's dynasty, it was fulfilled. 
How? By Jesus' arrival. His life, His death, His resurrection, His exaltation. It fulfilled it. From James, what he's saying. So, Jesus, He's begun His rule from heaven on David's throne. Now, benefits can come to Gentiles who are now included through faith. Jesus came to allow the rest of humanity, not just Jews, to seek God, what's fulfilled the promise to David, but also to Abraham. To David, there'd be someone who would come on his line. But to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In your seed, in Christ. Not in your good works, not in faith and works, but in Christ, you'll be blessed. So that promise, all the way Genesis 12, to Samuel 7, these promises are fulfilled in Jesus. He's done it. It's fulfilled. And now God starts this new thing called ecclesia, which is Greek for assembly, which we get the Latin word church. Not this, that's a building. It's this, people. Not the chairs either. Things are uncomfortable anyways. Ooh. Back hurt sitting on us. Anyway, so, going back to our text. So, it's only by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Well, they keep repeating this. I wonder if they're trying to say something here. Maybe. Verse 19. Therefore, it's my judgment that we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles. Do you realize what he's saying here? Don't trouble them. In other words, no... They don't have to be circumcised. No. They don't need to follow the law of Moses. No. It's not faith plus works. Gentiles who turn to God through faith should not be burdened with the yoke of the law, with unnecessary trouble or difficulty. The lives that they lived are determined by Jesus and the Spirit not the demands of the law. It's not under law. We're under the law of Christ. The Spirit is directing us because He lives inside of us. That's the new thing that God has done. So it's only by grace alone, through the means of faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. It's that word alone. It's key. So we've looked at keeping the gospel essential. Keep that gospel truth. That is essential. That is vital. Significant, most significant. No. He says, be sensitive to the non-essentials. 20 to 21. <clears throat> but, Jane says, that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. What is he talking about? Avoid these four impurities. These things are pollutants that pollute you. Pollution that comes from idols. Idol worship, certain rituals. Talks about, when we look at immorality, you say, why is that a non-essential? 
how can that be a non-essential? It's the connotation that it had with being around pagan temples, which the idea was temple prostitution. So any connection with immorality, with temple prostitution, pagan rites, uh, things strangled, where they eat the blood and they don't drain the blood, the blood's not drained from the animal eaten, these things are in reference to pagan idolatry and worship. That's what he's talking about. And for Jews to eat things strangled with the blood still in it, that'd be like eating an oatmeal cookie with raisins in it. For us who love chocolate, you just don't do that. You just don't eat oatmeal with raisins in them. It's like, wrong. What's wrong with you people? You're supposed to have chocolate chips in them. You don't have raisins in them. Raisins are for like somebody else. It's like healthy and stuff like that. You eat chocolate, right? Do I hear an amen from Susanna? Amen, see? The only time Susanna will give you an amen in the service. Be sensitive to these non-essentials. Why? For fellowship, peace, and to show that you've separated yourself from idolatry and from the things that are connected with. The way Gentiles used to live was pretty abhorrent. Because of the connection of idolatrous worship, the call is to be faithful to the one true God, being moral in worship, and also being sensitive to issues of unclean animals and eating strangled animals without draining the blood. In other words, be gracious to your Jewish brothers. Be sensitive to them. Keep peaceful relations with your Jewish brethren and be careful to have any, any, any association with, with things that promote idolatry. Keep yourself away from that. You'll do well. We're, we're gonna, we're, I'm kind of moving ahead to the letter when James says, if, if you guys do that, and, and the church, if you guys do that, you'll do well. It'll be good for you to separate yourself, anything associated with anything promoting idolatry, pagan temples, stuff like that. That's not about so much keeping these laws but about doing these things that could offend their Jewish brethren. The idea is respect their practices and their cultural concerns. That will lead to peace. Be gracious on the peripheral issues. By the way, this also when they do this, it serves as a testimony not just to the Jews, which is first and foremost because it's their Jewish brethren, but second to non-Christians to non-followers of Jesus because they don't like, well, how come he's not hanging out with the, you know, in the pagan temples and everything like that? It's a testimony to them. Let me stop. What kind of issues do we have today about stuff like this? I gave you some in the beginning. Dating versus courting. Drinking alcohol. Education, public education, homeschooling. Sports, entertainment. Do you watch movies? Do you watch TV? What kind of music do you listen to? How you dress? The kind of things you eat? Please don't eat an oatmeal cookie with raisins in front of me. That's just wrong. I mean, you have to go to confession or something like that. Anyways, tattoos, politics, your possessions, your income. 
or social status. Minor theological viewpoints. Baptism, Lord's Supper, I named a couple. Taking psychological medication. Should you take that? Should you not take that? Should you take antidepressants? Songs we sing in a service. Should you have a band? Should you just have a guitar? Should you just have a piano? Should you not have any instruments? We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Alone. We are together for the gospel. But with certain minor non-essential issues, we need to show grace and sensitivity for the sake of others. We rely upon the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins. We rely only upon Him. True Christian sh fellowship then, it shows grace and differences that are not central to the truth of the gospel. And we do that as a way to express love. We must never, we must never, never, never compromise the gospel, but we must be sensitive to all these other issues outside the gospel. As one writer says, any teaching that compromises the simple message of the gospel will rob Christians of their assurance and leave them feeling confused. End quote. That's a good statement. It will rob you. It robs us of our assurance and we're confused. Well, what's the gospel then? John Newton said this, we must be iron pillars in the essentials and a reed in the non-essentials. And friends, when the gospel is not compromised, then we can show grace and tolerance among the diverse expressions. We serve one another in love. That's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. You serve one another in love. Jews can practice the law. Let them. But don't put that on the Gentiles. This is a decision by the church, by the leadership, and by the Spirit too. So notice how this gets summed up, which we'll kind of go through this part kind of fast. Keep, keep the gospel essential. Be sensitive to non-essentials. 22 to 29. Because it's just basically just reflecting upon what they were discussing. It seemed good to the apostles and the elders and the whole church, notice, to serve their Gentile brethren in two ways. Notice, they chose men to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Second, they sent this letter. So why are they doing this? Why, why are they going to do these two things? They send in these two guys, and they're sending the letter. Why? They wanted to preserve the unity of the church, handling diversity with grace, discernment, and respect. So they chose men to accompany Paul and Barnabas, and they got two from the Gentile, Gentile side, and two from the Jewish side. And, and, and notice the letter, it's like brother to brother. It says, apostles, brethren, elders, to the brethren in Antioch, who are uh, Gentiles, greetings. Notice they explain the problem. We've heard to some of our number to whom we gave no instruction. We didn't tell them to do this. They've disturbed you, or um, they, they shook you up. They troubled you, notice, with 
unsettling or causing inward distress to their souls from these words. He didn't send them. They overstepped their bounds. So it seemed, we heard about this, so it seemed good to us, verse 25. Having become of one mind, so notice there's unity, to select men to send to your, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Interesting how they say this. We choose men, we're sending them to you because we're telling you we take this seriously and we send them with our beloved Paul, Barnabas and Paul to show that we love Barnabas and Paul, we love you, and we support their position, Barnabas and Paul, which is what? Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. We support that. And notice he says they're dedicated to Christ, they've risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're affirming salvation was by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. So this list, they say this should for the sake of unity. You should separate from these things. Notice, seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us. To lay upon you no greater burden than, this says these essentials, really the word is means these necessities. These things are necessary for you to have peace and, and unity and preserving that unity together. What is it? The four. Abstain from things sacrificed to idols. Blood, things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. There will be solid fellowship. This is God's divine guidance. We don't want to lay a burden upon you. But keep yourself from associating with idolatry. So that way, notice, he says, fellowship will be open with Jewish believers. And adhering to this list of four, would keep them from compromising with idolatry or immorality. These were ways they used to live before they came to Christ. So they send the letter. They send these guys. Two closing points. There's joyful encouragement. Yay! They're kind of like, wow, we were really nervous about this. Verse 30. Sent away, came to Antioch gathered the congregation they read the letter oh they rejoice because of its encouragement Judas and Silas they were prophets they encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message they were exhorting them they were exhorting the church strengthening the church they were saying to them stay faithful to the gospel it's about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ alone and maintaining peace and harmony with the Jewish brethren though we're, we have differences we're united and then notice how then what happens the gospel was affirmed and taught verse 33 they, have they spent a long time they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who sent them out in other words notice they're cordial they're gracious between the mixed groups Jews with Gentiles there's peace it seems that verse 34 was added later so we will not take it to be part of the original so then moves us into verse 35 Paul and Barnes, they stayed. Notice how they were teaching and proclaiming the gospel, affirming the truth of the gospel. So, last group of questions for you. Are we making sure the gospel is most essential in this church? Are we getting it right? Are we being sensitive to each other 
So all those peripheral issues, I gave you a whole bunch of them. What's the peripheral issue that, that you're getting hung up with? What do you struggle with? Are we showing grace like God showed His grace to us? God has showed His grace to me. Why can't I show grace in my little chocolate issue, you know? Or, but, but all kidding aside, why can't I show grace in the midst of tattoos or smoking or drinking or this or that? Blah, 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 blah. The gospel must be essential in this church. And if, if I am not making the gospel essential, you fire me and get somebody who's going to do it. We must hold tenaciously to the gospel by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We must. And then all the other issues, we can debate it, we can discuss, we can go through that and everything. And, and, and it's okay. Be sensitive. And we show grace. We, excuse me. I can be a lack of gracious, I can be like a, my grace too. So it's all of us together. May God give us grace to show grace. This guy's gone long enough, huh? Take a few moments. Think, pray. That God would maybe want to take a few moments as you ponder. We have some few moments of silence. Maybe you want to pray for us as a church that we would keep the gospel essential. Maybe you want to pray that God will work in your heart that you'd be gracious with the non-essentials. Whatever it is, take a few moments where you can just ponder what we've seen in God's Word and then we'll do our time of giving our last two songs in closing prayer. Sit, think, ponder.